This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are joining listeners after back-to-back wins for Newcastle. The Magpie train keeps on rolling. The top four train keeps on rolling. A 1-0 win at Ev- uh, over Everton and a 2-1 win at Spurs. Yeah, massive six points. We did, I don't think we were expecting this. We were hoping maybe for four at a push. Yeah, no, I, I thought you'd get two really four. good results. But then again, Spurs did a Spurs, so you know, <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> and and to be honest, the Everton match was impressive. I, I feel that the one nil didn't kind of do it justice. It makes it sound like it, it was quite a tense match, where it wasn't. Everton only had one shot all game, and it wasn't even on target. And I mean, I think out of context as well, especially if you go back and you watch the highlights, there it just seemed a bit like a training match. To be honest, they just left players out in the open all the time and and that's where we see that that goal from Almiron in the 30th minute again they just left him um completely alone but it was a great great shot obviously a great finish and uh we say not the best performance going forward but ultimately very very comfortable and as I say in a way it's, it's a bit annoying that it was only one nil yeah I mean thankfully that that bit of Almiron magic went in because otherwise as you say although it was kind of all us going forward. It, as you say, you know, we created a few chances, but not as many clear-cut chances as we'd like. So there was that. And yeah, I mean, as we said, Everton offered like literally nothing going forward at all. Um, but it, it, it's one of those that it could have easily been a nil-nil on another game, but a very frustrating nil-nil mm, at that because yeah. in terms of going forward, it, it kind of was all us, but I said not necessarily at our best. But I mean, as you say... That goal from Almiron. I mean, I mean, it wasn't quite Tillemans, but it was good. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not, very few goals are, are quite as good as Tillemans' goal against Wolves. I have to say, I mean, what a what a strike that was. But, but it, it was pretty. It was it was pretty good. But pretty good. <laughs> you know, great that great first time sort of curling effort from the edge area. I mean, as, as you said, in terms of Everton's point of view, he was in so much space. Uh, I mean, he, he probably didn't even have to take it first time, but he did. Just sort of picked his spot out, curled in Pickford, no chance. Um, you know, which was absolutely great for us, and great for him as well, because, and it, well, as we'll talk about now, I mean, you know, again, he scored the second goal for us against Spurs, and again, a really, really well worked goal from him, a great individual effort from him, absolutely rinsing Clement Clement Longley on the, on that right ha- uh, right hand side, and then cutting in and and, and finishing past past Hugo Lloris, and. I mean, we've spoken about it a lot in recent weeks. I mean, that's now five goals in five games for Almiron. Uh, sadly, not five in a row because, of course, we did draw a nil-nil with Man United. But that's still just absolutely phenomenal form. He's in six overall for the season so far in, in 12 games. And it did take him a while to get back into the team, didn't it? Because we did 
kind of not see him for a good portion of the end of last season and, yeah. and part of the start of this season. So he's clearly, whatever's happened in the background, whether it was an injury or a falling out or just the fact that he just wasn't quite fit enough for the team, whatever it is, he's sorted it out. And, you know, fair play to him. He's become a really, really important member of that team who's just about everywhere um, and with the ability to finish. But um, I do feel now we need to talk about Spurs <laughs> and, and particularly Hugo Lloris. Yeah, I mean, he, he did not cover himself in glory in that game. and I, I, I find, I just, It's just really bad, right? Because I do feel that the goalkeepers get a lot of jit for when a team doesn't do very well and they score a lot of goals, even if they've done nothing wrong, right? But I do kind of love it when they mess up real bad, <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, let's face it, to be honest, our, um, our goal really kind of... Our first goal, Callum Wilson's goal, really kind of came against the run of play um, in in that Spurs match again. After about half, it was about half an hour in, similar sort of time to Almiron's against Everton. And I mean, we hadn't played badly, but you know, Spurs had had a few chances. They were looking quite menacing, and then you know that great pass uh, from, from Fabian Cher through to Wilson, but then Lloris completely you know rushes out, completely fluffs his lines. You know, gives. I, I mean, obviously, yeah. VAR had that lengthy check and all the rest of it. And as as Jamie Carragher pointed out in the commentaries, you know, like where could Callum Wilson go? <laughs> yeah. He was. Even, you could see that Callum Wilson was was doing his best to stop when you know Hugo Lloris kind of bumps into him. Lloris then you know kind of bounces off him and sort of falls over. And... It, it does look very theatrical. Um... But then great composure from Callum Wilson as well, because it's one of those that if, if he hadn't scored, you'd be like, oh God, that was such a good chance. But at the same time, I think it was probably a lot more difficult than he made it look. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the pressure of that would have been quite great. And, and he was quite far out, to be fair. Mm. And obviously then you've got a goalkeeper in front of you, you've got Tottenham players swarming all of a sudden, and I suppose the excitement and the knowledge that if you miss this, um, yeah. you are, you're not going to hear the end of it for a while. But yeah, so and as I say, that had come after you know some good chances. I mean, you know, Nick Pope had obviously made that. Uh, well, kind of, uh, he'd made a couple of uh, good stops, including the one where it's sort of half Nick Pope and half Kieran Trippier clearing it after some, you know, sort of really didn't put nearly as much on his shot as he should have. Um, you know, because yeah, it, it could it could have been quite a different game. You know, if if one or two of Spurs' early chances had gone in, but thankfully, you know, we kind of. Um, you know, weathered that storm, and then yeah, <laughs> managing to get that two goal lead was vital because, of course, we saw what happened last season where we took the lead really, really early on, at, you know, first minute or whatever it was, and then obviously then they came back and thrashed us five one. But um, thankfully, especially even after you know in the second half, didn't take them too long to, to pull one back. Obviously, came with that kind of sort of almost diving header uh, in the corner. I have to say, I'm not really sure why Kieran Trippier was the one who was sort of marking him because there's a bit of a size difference there. Mm. Um, and ultimately, you've got to say, you know, Spurs are really good at set pieces. I think that was like their sixth or seventh goal from a corner this season. So it's it's something that is obviously a big strength for them. But what was good to see is that Newcastle then didn't crumple. Um, yeah. That we've seen many, many times before. Um, their defence stayed strong, which is something that, I mean, you must have banged his face against a brick wall a million times saying that last season. And we, we've seen that sometimes all teams do this every now and then when you get in the lead and then there's constant pressure 
at some point there's a lapse in concentration and uh, and an equaliser or unfortunately maybe the, the, the winning goal gets schooled by the opposition. But yeah, you know, still had a lot of time to play after that. 53 at third minute was the, was the time that Kane scored that goal and still came away with the win. So I think it was a bit of a nail-biting match, that one, to be honest. Very, very different to, to the Everton match. So, you know, uh, I suppose undulating... <laughs> undulating emotions for this week <laughs> yeah and you know again I mean to punish Newcastle you know we, we we do tend to do all right away at Spurs again last uh, last season notwithstanding um, you know we don't have a bad record there but I mean you know Spurs have won their last eight home games in a row ahead of this game so for us to go there and win I think is quite a statement in some ways it, it's kind of the statement we were maybe hoping for at Old Trafford the other week and didn't yeah. quite get because it was a you know nil nil draw, um, you know that's massive and obviously it's again six points in those game in those two games that's you know obviously lifted us up the table. We're actually again I, I I'm not going to say that I still don't necessarily think we're we're properly in that conversation for top four, but we're not we're kind of knocking on the door a little bit and again. That's even beyond, I think, where we expect to be. And I still think it's probably beyond where we will be come the end of the season. I think if if, if we just maintain the consistency, I, I, I think... But yeah. Yeah, no, but, you Again, know. We, we, yeah, but we're 12 games into the season. We've got now five wins and six draws from those 12 games. Mm. Still only the one defeat. And that's having played Man City... That's having been away at Anfield. It's having been away at Old Trafford, and it's having been away at Spurs. Mm. So some some big some big games in there. I mean, Chelsea do have a game in hand against you, and they are currently drawn on points. However, you've got a much better goal difference. Man United could still push you out if they win their next e- match. E- exactly, um, and. You know, Liverpool are biting at everybody's heels. Liverpool have had a really weirdly poor season, but but that's against the point. Um, but yeah, hopefully though, because Chelsea are obviously in the Champions League. Hopefully they'll be a bit tired. Oh, well, that, and that's that's the thing. <clears throat> I think in terms of whether we, I mean, again, I think I still think top four. Yeah, is maybe a bit. I mean, to be fair, they're playing Brighton, so probably <laughs> will win. <laughs> um, I think top four talk is, is is probably a bit premature. But um, in terms of the, let's say top four to top eight conversation. Oh, definitely. Hopefully top seven and, and with European I think football, you'll be around, be amazing. you know, sixth, fifth, I the, reckon. I, I think that the, the fact that we don't have European football, um, obviously, hopefully we'll have it next year because that'd be amazing. But for this season, at least, the, hopefully the fact that we don't have it, but, you know, Man United are in the, uh, are in the Europa League. Um, as you say, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, hilarious. they they've got, <laughs> they've got Champions League uh, and European football, a lot of the teams around us. Um, hopefully that bodes really well from our point of view of it helps out our players be a bit fresher and you know, which is good because you know we've had enough injuries even without the added you know sort of fixture list of European games so yeah, yeah I think um, I think I think if there is European games on the cards I think you're definitely gonna have to bulk your squad out a bit um, yeah. but again it's a work in progress isn't it and, and we, we've mentioned this so Hopefully, as well, next season, everything will be a bit more spread out because we won't be smashing everything into a condensed space for this stupid World Cup. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that as well. Um, now, in terms of the news section this week, there's only really one place to start. And, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, this kind of, this sort of all happened right as we were sort of, as the last week's podcast 
kind of came out. So we we missed it on in terms of last week's podcast. We, we mentioned about uh, Dan Ashworth's you know comments about Newcastle having no ceiling and all the rest of it. But then what followed, of course, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, listeners, was this like kind of big sort of almost like back and forth between Jurgen Klopp and Eddie Howe about that. And frankly, for me, it all became proper sort of storming a teacup stuff um, for me. There were kind of two sort of elements to it. I just feel Klopp's become weirdly aggressive recently because Liverpool aren't doing as well. You know, like he seems he seemed really chill, and now it's like Liverpool are eighth, and it's well, he's not. They're not even eighth. They're sixth, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, but he's picked still, up a little bit. Um, yeah, but he's still kicking off at everything. He got a red card the other week. And he was verbally abusive to the... I mean, like, I'm sure we all want to be verbally abusive at some point, but, you know, like, he's a manager. He should be setting the, setting the fucking standard compared to the rest of the fans. Yeah, I think that's the thing with Jurgen Klopp. I, 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 as a general rule, I like Jurgen Klopp. I think some, sometimes, especially since he got to Liverpool, he has come out with some pretty ridiculous things. I mean, I think we all know, like, he's, he's now become almost a bit famous for some of the excuses that he's come out with, like, oh, it was too windy over the pitch. Was too dry, you know, like some some ridiculous stuff. Overall, it's I like think you're a professional. I, like overall, I I do like him, but yeah, he he's got this bit of a habit, and also as you mentioned, like as a general rule, you know, he's he's quite affable, he's quite funny, he's he's quite a, a thoughtful man, and yet when things aren't going well for Liverpool, the mask kind of almost slips a little bit, and mm. we have seen a few times over the years he does have that history of. Getting in people's faces, slightly aggressive behaviour with you know with referees and all the rest of it, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And then obviously you know then he you know he, he comes out and apologises afterwards, and you know sort of fair play to him for that. But um, but as I said, he was all kind of storming a teacup stuff because I said there were kind of two parts to this, and the first part was um, Klopp. You know, he was sort of he was coming out and doing these spiel about you know uh, Man City, PSG. And Newcastle, we've sort of talking about how we're the kind of three clubs in the world that don't have a ceiling. We we can kind of do what we want financially and all this sort of stuff. And I don't necessarily have a problem with him doing that because, um, you know, <laughs> the fact is, you know, City, PSG and Newcastle, we shouldn't be owned by these, you know, by, well, by literal countries. You know, these sort of oil states and all the rest of it. Like, Obviously, and not to mention the fact that you know you then throw in the fact that there are also some pretty, pretty awful regimes on top of that. You know, I am kind of with Jurgen Klopp on that front, even with with Newcastle. Um, and also, you know, to be fair, his Liverpool side do kind of you know the fact that they actually kind of can, obviously not so much this season, but the fact that you know for the last few seasons they kind of have been matching Liverpool into uh, sorry matching Man City in terms of getting you know, 90-plus points a season and all the rest of it. To an extent, they are kind of punching above their weight because City really kind of do have limitless limitless resources. Um, and we've said this lots of times. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think it is starting and, to ruin the game a little bit. But And eventually Newcastle might get to the point where we are at the same. But, you know, Eddie Howe, got abs- he's got absolutely slated uh, for, from certain quarters, for kind of he was kind of asked about these comments and just sort of responded, kind of just saying that like, you know, um, he basically just sort of clarified that what he thought Ashworth meant was that in terms of us not having a ceiling, he, he thought well, you know, he, what really Ashworth meant wasn't so much 
we don't have a ceiling because of all the money, but we have no ceiling in terms of there's no ceiling to the ambition that we have, which I think is is, is fair because... Well, and, it'd be uh, fair because they now have the opportunity to actually build anything where under Ashley, that was never going but, to happen. He was never going to yeah. allow any spending in it. And but, I think in comparison to how, yeah. where we are now to where you were before, big difference. Well, I think that's the thing. It's like, yes, Newcastle have spent a lot of money since um, the Saudis came and we've had two transfer windows and across them we've spent roughly £200 million without a huge amount coming back in because we're not, we don't have any big players that we can kind of sell. Or at least the ones we do have, we haven't sold because they're actually important to the team. You can't go and sell, you know... Um, Kieran Clark, I mean, for like 20 to 50 million or whatever, because he's just not going to bring that in. And obviously, you know, we've kind of just had to offload players. Some of them we've kind of just had to send out on loan and all the rest of it. Um, so yes, there has been like a lot more spending, but as you've just mentioned, the fact that for now we haven't even come close to touching FFP because of the fact that we've, we've spent 15 years spending almost nothing. Um, so I think that that's fair, but also, I feel like Eddie Howe, he basically just sort of clarified that, like, the comments in terms of, like, you know, he thinks he was more referring to just, like, the ambition of the club and the fact that, like, you know, FFP is still a concern. You know, we can't go and spend £200 million every single year right now because we we will very quickly start running into FFP problems. And I think what we've seen from the club so far is that, to an extent, compared to the way City and PSG have run things, at least so far that does seem to be more of a concern where it clearly never was for them because it never had to be and it, let's face it, it never will be again uh, because they just they ride the fines and they just get away with it and all the rest of it. And hey, look, that could be our future. I hope it's not. It could be. But right now, as he said, we are kind of having to basically rebuild the club. We are having to work under certain restraints. I mean, Ashworth also literally said last week that like there are certain aspects of the club that are literally just like a skeleton because... Ashley only ever wanted to do the bare minimum. Yeah. And not ha- he only cared if it functioned enough to keep us in the league, not enough for it to actually be a healthy functioning aspect of the club. So I think Eddie Howe, but honestly, like, we're the first people to hold Eddie Howe accountable. Um, you know, we're the first ones to kind of question certain decisions he's made or certain comments he's made. But, like, I honestly feel like. He, the amount of criticism he got versus what he actually said, I really thought was a bit unfair on him, to be honest. Oh, I thought he got absolutely slaughtered. They just want to start. And again, I, I get why, you know, people might, you know, be like, well, you know, you're taking money from the Saudis, blah, blah, blah. And I get it again. I said, I've criticised him for that before. I've criticised him for the fact that he won't talk about them and, you know, all the rest of it. As we said the other week, you know, he's, he's like, oh, well, I, you know, I still don't feel comfortable talking about it. But like, then in March, he was like, I'm trying to educate myself on it's like which is it you know and all the rest of it but like I've really thought it was proper storming a teacup stuff and then like he got asked up, and then there was kind of the second thing as well which again sort of tied in with this like criticism of him like oh well you know why can you take the moral high ground about all this stuff when you're taking money from the Saudis because he got asked about Klopp's touchline behaviour and again I understand the irony of his comments given our ownership but like he was just asked a question and all he said was just like you know I'm aware that, you know, there are millions of people watching us and we, you know, we should kind of just do things the right way. And that was kind of the extent of what he said. He didn't hit out specifically at Jurgen Klopp. He wasn't like, oh yeah, no, Klopp does that. He's really, you know, it's really bad that he does it. Do you know what I mean? He was just, mm-hmm. he was asked a specific question and I think he gave quite a, 
generic sort of answer of like, yeah, I, I, I think we should, you know, we should be careful how we behave. And that was kind of the extent of it. And then he got sort of really slaughtered in some quarters. And I don't, I don't think the media helped in terms of, you looked at some of the headlines of some of the articles and it's like, you know, Eddie Howe hits back at Jurgen Klopp or, um, you know, Eddie Howe says Jurgen Klopp doesn't know what he's talking about. When like, you, you look at the actual comments and I don't think that, for me, was very accurate at all. And then like the whole fury around it, as I say, for me, proper storm in a teacup stuff when you actually look at what Eddie Howe said. And so I, anyway, yeah, it just all kind of rubbed me up slightly the wrong way because, like I say, I've very, very much criticised Eddie Howe when he deserves it. But I thought, I thought it was all a bit extreme for me last week um, when it, it really it was all a bit of a non story, really. But I think that's something that we we're, we're going to have to probably deal with more going forward and it's something that Eddie Howe's going to have to deal with more and eventually eventually maybe we will be a team that like City and PSG really has this sort of no limits no ceiling kind of thing but it's going to be a good few years until we can get to that point because we've got half the club to rebuild we're still you know in the in the process of you know kind of rebuilding the training ground um, you know and all this sort of stuff and we're still in the process of actually getting, you know, actual commercial revenue into the club so that you can actually keep the spending up without having to worry as much about FFP because obviously you need to be able to generate it yourself. As we've seen with City and PSG, they've had the you know all these sort of inflated contracts and all the rest of it because they've been, again, getting around FFP in a, frankly, less than salubrious manner. And I don't want to see us do the same thing. I want us to see... I want to see us do it in a legitimate way and I hope that we do. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see... <laughs> Whether we do, and even if we do, of course, there's always going to be that huge asterisk of, yeah, the Saudis. Unfortunately, that is not going to go away anytime soon, and that is something we're going to have to have to answer for, and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, I thought, I thought that the kind of the yeah the absolute like sort of slaughtering of ha- of Eddie Howe last week for, from certain uh, quarters and stuff, I thought was actually really quite unnecessary given the. The context of it all, but uh, you know, whatever. I, I felt like we kind of had to mention it because that was kind of the big thing that kind of happened last week, and I just thought it was all really quite necessary. But the main thing was that you know it didn't distract from us getting two really good results, and yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get another one this weekend. Yeah, exactly. So you've got Aston Villa. Um, so Aston Villa have recently sacked uh, Gerrard, obviously, um, but then won with a 4-0 win at home to Brentford on Sunday. So could be very, very different. I don't quite know what happened there with Steven Gerrard because that seems like a very, very dramatic change. Obviously, there's always a new manager bounce um, and they feel like they've got something to prove. And it doesn't help that Newcastle don't have a great record against Villa, but it is at home. So... With the way that Newcastle have been playing, I'm quite hopeful for this one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, as you said, since Villa came up uh, in 2019, we've only actually beaten them once in six <laughs> meetings, which is quite surprising considering they've not, for a lot of that time, you know, Villa, they've not been bad, but they've not been, like, great either, you know, to me. like, um, So you'd expect it to be maybe a bit more even than that. But, yeah, what's obviously encouraging is that um, when we... That that one win was actually the last time we played them, mm. which also was at St James's Park back in February. Obviously, we're at St James's Park again this weekend. And as you say, in terms of our our recent home record, I mean, 
you know, um, as of the Everton win, we've now won 10 of our last 14 games at home. So we're really making St. James's Park a bit of a fortress, which is obviously vitally important. For, I mean, for any team, you want to be di- difficult to, uh, to beat when you're at home. Uh, but a doubly so, obviously, if you're, if you're aiming to finish in the top 10, and as we've said, potentially even, you know, maybe top eight, top seven, top four, maybe. <laughs> Again, bit early, bit early for top four chat. But like, you want to be obviously winning, the, you know, the vast majority of your home games, and that that's what we've been doing. So that's really important, and that's going to be, I think, a huge boon for us because, as as we said, I think if if Gerard was still in charge, obviously things had not been going well for them, you'd be a lot more confident. But then, as you said, we've kind of got the uh, the kind of post Gerard bounce of that, you know, really impressive win against Brentford. Um, you know, this weekend that's just gone. So it they are going to be it, it, it's they're going to be a bit of a different beast in terms of you know if if we'd have played them the other week when their confidence was kind of rock bottom. Obviously, on the plus side, you know, one win, one well, one win absolutely can turn things around, but sometimes it sometimes it doesn't you know it, it doesn't necessarily instantly fix all the problems they have it'll, it'll certainly be a confidence boost for them but as i said it's not necessarily an instant fix for everything so yeah i've got to say hopefully hopefully yeah hopefully the, the magpie strain as we said keeps on rolling again because yeah uh the fact that if we, if, if we can just be as good as possible before the start of the world cup when we've got that month off, that would be amazing. Yeah, and hopefully that obviously month off as well will give a lot of the players a bit of respite, as you know, like due to injuries, a few players have not been able to play with uh, with their country, and then yeah, so yeah, it, it'll be good, I think, for Newcastle, and hopefully they'll be able to take some time off to bond a bit more as a team. Um, not that they're not as a team now. But you know what I mean. No, like, exactly. Just, just strengthen it a little bit, and uh, as I say, hopefully get some some more of the younger players in um, and, and playing as well. Because I'd really like to see um, more of Armstrong um, and a, probably a bit more of the uh, oh god, the Longstaffs. That's the name. Do you mean? Yeah. Do you mean? I think you mean Anderson. Yeah, sorry, I do. No, no, it's all right. Cause I meant Anderson. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously because we used to have Adam Armstrong and um, it. Well, he's, uh, well, thank you, so it's Armstrong, but. Uh, yeah, I think um, their name began with A, and I've not seen them much. I got I, I was pretty much in the ballpark. Yeah, no, it, it'll be it'll be nice to. See. I want to see more Anderson in the team as well. And actually, you know what? Shout out actually quickly to Sean Longstaff, who has actually been playing. Um, he's played a few times, you know, in recent weeks. And actually, I have to say, you know, he played he played on Sunday against Spurs as well, and he's been playing pretty well actually. And he's been because I mean, you know, Shelby is fit again now. He came off the bench against Spurs. Yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the moment, I think Sean Longstaff is is worth his place in the team and it which is 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 really encouraging because we know the again, we know the potential Sean Longstaff had in particular. And then you know, when when he first kind of came on the scene and then didn't quite live up to that for whatever reason, <clears throat> Steve Bruce. Um and <laughs> I think, yeah, the fact that he, it's not just Anderson, but like, I think the, the the hope that Longstaff might have a future in this team as well, I think is really positive for us because I really like him and I really wish him well. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we can keep seeing more of them. And, and obviously, as you said, the, the, the break for the World Cup, it gives 
most importantly, it gives Alexander Izak um, opportunity to come back into the team uh, and get back to fitness as well because you know we, we've hardly, unfortunately, seen him so far, and and what we have seen of him has been really positive. You know, he scored. I think he's only made like three appearances for us, and he scored twice in those. So you know, in, in his very brief time, he's he's impressed, and we know the potential he's got. It's just a shame that he, we've not been able to get him on the pitch with Wilson, with Sam Maximan, with now firing on all cylinders, Almiron. Mm. And if we can do that after the World Cup, that would be really, really good for our chances. Really, again, maintaining our position towards the top end of the table and hopefully pushing on for European football next season. But anyway, it all starts with Villa on Sunday or continues with Villa on Sunday. Uh, Sunday? Saturday. Is <laughs> uh, so, it on Saturday? It might be on Sunday night. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the three mm. o'clock on Saturday. So... Um, it starts this weekend. Did you mean Sunday? <laughs> no. <laughs> this weekend, Newcastle Villa, be there. <laughs> In the meantime, guys, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that'd be amazing. We've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.